Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. We're going to be in Matthew 13. Jesus says a lot about the kingdom. And when Jesus is talking about the kingdom, he is primarily talking about the kingdom now. He is not talking about the kingdom when he comes someday. When Jesus talks about the kingdom, he's talking about the kingdom right here and right now. The kingdom is both here and now and not yet. It's one of the mysteries of Scripture. The kingdom is both right here, right now, because Jesus would say the kingdom is within you. So the kingdom's right here and right now, and yet it won't be fully fulfilled until he comes one day. But primarily when Jesus teaches or talks about the kingdom, he's talking about here and now. He's not, he's not giving us messages of hope so we can put them on the shelf for, for however long until he comes back. And then we can dig out those old messages and try to figure out what he's saying. He's talking about the here and now. So in Matthew 13, in verse 31 and 32, Jesus said, it says, He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a person took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all the other seeds, but when it is fully grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. So, if we're going to talk about the kingdom... Let's um, set the parameters for what the kingdom is. Jesus talks about the kingdom often. Uh, actually, Acts 1 talks about after Jesus was risen from the dead, for 40 days he stayed around and taught on the kingdom. Acts 1 doesn't say that he taught on his Father. It doesn't say that he taught on the Holy Spirit, who was about to be poured out. He talks about his Father often. He talks about the Holy Spirit. But after Jesus is raised from the dead, he's got 40 days. And in those 40 days, he talks about the kingdom. He talks about the kingdom because when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it was the restoration of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Matthew will use the kingdom of heaven because he's writing primarily to a Jewish audience and he wants to avoid offense as much as possible. So he uses kingdom of heaven. The other gospel writers use kingdom of God most often. But what is the kingdom? Jesus would say things like in Luke 17, the kingdom is within you. He would say in Luke, I think it's Luke 11, if I cast out a demon by the finger of God, the kingdom has come upon you. The kingdom is the domain or the rule of the king. Does that make sense? The kingdom is not some theoretical, uh, utopian idea where we just believe things and we don't actually see it come to pass. The kingdom is actually the rule and reign of the king in the here and now. It is when the superior truth of who he is overwhelms an inferior truth that we're, we're, exist, we're, we're in the middle of. It is, it is when a sickness, it's not saying that sickness doesn't exist, it is when the truth of a sickness is met by the superior truth that he is the king who heals. And when those two realities collide, one has to give way, and it's not the king. Does that make sense? So the, the kingdom is the rule of the king in, the, in our atmosphere. That's why Jesus would say, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does the kingdom look like? It looks like up there. 
Up there, there's no sickness. So the kingdom is when it comes and sickness has to go. Up there, there's no lack. The kingdom is when it comes and he comes and provides and lack has to leave. So the kingdom is the king's rule and reign in the earth. So with that in mind, let's look again. Matthew 13, 31, he says, He presented another parable to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, bless you, which a person took and sowed in his field. Um, the, the word for the mustard seed here, we're all super familiar with that. It's the smallest, and we'll get to that in a minute. But what sticks out to me here is the word took. The scripture says that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took. The word for took there is um, lambano in the Greek. And it, it's an interesting word because it means to take, but it also means to receive. In other words, it is two... Um, it is two almost conflicting ideas happening at the same time. It is, it is to take, but it's also to receive. In other words, you can't take it unless someone's giving it to you. But you can't receive it unless you reach out and take it. It would be like if I had a, a $100 bill and I, and I handed it to the apostle. And I stood here and said, this is yours, you can have it. He would stand there and say, well, thank you, I appreciate that. But until he takes it out of my hand, it's not in his possession. The kingdom is something that has to be taken. It has been offered. It has been freely given. The king has provided the kingdom for us. But he stands holding it in his hand saying, here you go, here's the kingdom. And most often, we look at him with his open hand in this beautiful thing called the kingdom. And we say, thank you, that's awesome. I really appreciate that. And, and Jesus is saying to us, no, 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 here is the kingdom. The kingdom is here. But it's only, it's only given to those who take it. He can hold out his hand all day with all that he wants to give us. But until we reach out and take a hold of what he's giving us, it will never be in our possession. And the kingdom has to be taken. It has to be taken. It's held out, but it must be received. And the way we receive it is by taking it. Jesus would say the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Why do the violent have to take it by force if Jesus came to show us the kingdom? Because he only gives to those who are hungry. He is constantly looking for somebody hungry. He is constantly looking for someone who will say, I want whatever you're handing out. I remember years ago the apostle preached a message and he said something that has wrecked me ever since. He said, he said you can have out of the book what you dare to believe. You can have out of the book what you dare to believe. If you don't believe he's a provider, don't worry about it. He won't show up and provide. If you don't believe he's a healer, don't worry about it. He's not going to show up and heal. But the kingdom is offered out of the hand of Jesus. And he's asking us, will you take what I'm offering to you? Will you take what I'm offering to you? It is, it is offensive to turn away a gift that's been offered. It's offensive. I don't like opening gifts in front of people. I, I think that's weird. I can't stand it. The baby shower, wedding shower, I can't stand that. I don't want to open gifts in front of people. Don't take pictures. I don't like that. Christmas, birthdays, I don't, I don't want to do that. Somebody else open the gift, and I'll get it later. But Jesus, it would be offensive for someone to present me a gift and say, no, thank you, I don't want that. Or put it under my seat and say, yeah, I'll get to it at some other time. I just got to deal with the embarrassment of it or whatever it is, my shame, I guess. And Jesus is offering a gift called the kingdom. And he's asking us, will you take and open what I'm presenting to you? Will you take and open what I'm presenting to you? The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, 
which a person took and sowed in his field. You notice that Jesus says it's a person who takes the kingdom. It's not a congregation of people. It's not a company of people. It's not a, in the kingdom, one is a majority. One is a majority. We, we talk about things like winning a city and winning our workplace and winning our family. And look, I want everybody on board that can get on board. I'm, I'm not saying don't get people on board, but here's what I'm saying. Church, we don't have to have 500 people on board. We don't have to have 500 people on board. Jesus said it's like a mustard seed that a person took. A person. One person is able through grabbing hold of the kingdom to shift the environment over a city. One person is able. There's a, there's a, a Welsh revival where a young man who was like 21 or 22 years old got a hold of the kingdom. And in him getting a hold of the kingdom, he shaped the whole history of his, re- of his region and even his nation. So much so that bars were closing down to come to the services. And restaurants were closing down to come to the services. And the community police department came to the services because there was no crime going on. They had nothing else to do, so they would come on shift and sit in the back. And it wasn't because, it wasn't because 30 young people got a hold of it. It wasn't because 50 young people got a hold of what God was saying. One person got a hold of what God was saying. One person got a hold of what God was saying. There's, the power is in the seed. The power isn't in the soil. He needs the soil. But the power is in the seed. And one person who gives place to the seed of heaven can change a region. Yes, I want the seats filled up. I want us to have to have people standing outside in line waiting for the doors to be unlocked to get in. Because there's so much going on in here. But we don't have to have that to get going. One person, a person grabbed a hold of a seed and they shifted everything. Because Jesus said a person is what the kingdom looks like. It looks like a person. I don't need all of my family saved to start heading in that direction. I'm enough. I don't need everybody on my floor at work to know the gospel. I'm enough. One seed, one person taking one seed is enough to change an environment for the kingdom. It's enough. I don't know how it's enough, but one person is enough. He says... A mustard seed which a person took and sowed in his field. The word for sowed here is interesting. It's to sow or to scatter seed. But the root word here is to draw your sword. It's to draw your sword. In other words, the kingdom is not passive. The kingdom is not sitting back and just uh, passing time and hoping that an opportunity presents itself. The kingdom looks like violence. The apostle preached that message again years ago that said, where he talked about the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. And the beautiful revelation that the Lord gave him was not that just apprehending the kingdom by violence, but taking the kingdom by violence. I think the story was when he, when he read it, the Lord showed him like a picture of a running back taking a ball and running through uh, an offensive and defensive line. The kingdom, the kingdom is not passive. The kingdom is both taken by force and then taken by force. The kingdom requires violence. That doesn't mean we're offensive to people. That doesn't mean we're pointing fingers and calling people out. 
with prophetic words. That's not what it looks like. It looks like me crawling into my prayer closet, shutting the door and saying, God, work doesn't look like the kingdom yet, so you've got to do something. Something is standing in the way of you walking in to 10 Quality Street in downtown Lexington, and I don't know what it is, but we're going to figure it out in this place of secret. Because if I do this in secret, you promised that you would move openly. And it is not just a passive, one day my work will be saved, my business will be saved, my family will be saved. It is crawling in a closet, pulling out my sword and saying, let's take down whatever is standing in the way of the kingdom. The kingdom is violent. The kingdom is loving and it is gracious and it is merciful. But when I lock that door and close myself in the closet with him, the kingdom is violent. It requires violence. It requires somebody to say, I don't know what it will take, but I'm willing to do whatever it will take. It requires violence. And I have to sow it in my field. He said that it's a seed by a person that is sown in his field. In other words, I can't sow my seed in your field. And the apostle can't sow his seed in my field. I love him to death, but there's not seed that he can sow into my field. I've got to sow the seed in my field. It's my responsibility. My wife, my kids, my grandkids, my business, my workplace. It's my field. And you're not responsible for it, but I am. And there are places that you're responsible for that we can preach the kingdom until he comes. But it's not going to sow the seed in your field. And for too long, for too long, the church has said, the pastor, the apostle, the evangelist, the teacher, they'll sow the seed in my field. But the Lord is looking for a people that say, I'm going to take responsibility for what you've given me. I'm going to take responsibility for what you've given me. Of all the things that he's given us, we now have to take responsibility for it. They are gifts but how many of you know, if you, if you just let a gift tarnish, that's pretty offensive to the person who gave it to you. If I give my son a gift for Christmas and two months later I find it in the bottom of the toy box, broken and destroyed, which happens, he's four, it happens. It's like, man, I spent some money on that thing. I spent some money on that thing and you used it as a wiffle ball and it's not. It's not. He has given us responsibility over places. He's given us authority over places. Maybe it is a place where you own a business. Maybe it's a church where you're pastoring. Maybe it's children's church where you're working with the kids. Or maybe it's just your kids at home. Maybe it's just your wife or your husband. But we've got to take responsibility for our field. For our field. Because nobody else is going to care for my field the way that I'm going to care for my field. Nobody else is going to pray for my kids the way that I pray for my kids. I'll bring them up front and have hands laid on them. That's great. But nobody prays for my kids like I pray for my kids. Or my business or my family. I've got a field and it's time that I take the seed and start sowing in my field. Verse 32. And this, the smaller, this is smaller than all the other seeds, the mustard seed. But when it is fully grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the sky come and rest in its branches. In other words, Jesus says uh, the kingdom actually starts off really small. In the King James it says, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. He wants you to know it does start off small. It starts off small. It doesn't look like 
The kingdom doesn't start off with a crusade to 500,000 people. The kingdom starts off small. And he said, this is smaller than all the other seeds. In other words, there are other seeds. There are other seeds. The kingdom is not the only seed out there. There are other seeds. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells the parable of the wheat and the tares. The wheat and the weeds. Right before this parable, I'm pretty sure, he tells the story. He, and and they, asked the, they asked the man who owns the field. They said, didn't you sow good seed? And he says, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, yes, but somebody came along and sowed other seed. In other words, the kingdom, is, the kingdom has competing seeds. There are other seeds that are out there. And my job is to make sure that I'm sowing the right seeds. Because I have the authority to sow other seeds. He says it's smaller than the other seeds. The, the mustard seed uh, that he is talking about here, it's not our mustard seed. Like if you, if you saw a mustard seed plant in North America, it's this little bushy thing. It's just a couple feet high. This is not the mustard seed that he's talking about. It's a tree. It's a tree that would grow to 20 or 25 feet in the air. It would be two or three feet around. But the mustard seed was not, the mustard seed plant was not planted with other trees. It was actually planted in the herb garden because of the way they used it. They would separate their, their uh, fields. So vegetables may be over there, fruits may be over there, herbs are over here by themselves. So the mustard seed is not only. It's not the largest seed ever. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying in comparison to the things that grow around it. So you've got this tree that's 25 or 30 feet tall and it's 3 feet around. And beside it you've got like basil and like rosemary and I don't know what other other stuff is. Like basil. I mean you're talking about stuff that's like 2 feet, 3 feet tall. So in comparison, Jesus is he's talking to people who understand what he's saying. So we have to put ourselves in this context. And he's saying when you go to the garden, there's, there's all these small little bushy things. And then this massive tree that stands out above all others. It's unavoidable. And he's saying this is the mustard seed. This is what the kingdom looks like. It looks like a tree that explodes while everything else around it is hanging around the ground. And he says when it is fully grown. He says it. The mustard seed, when it is fully grown. He doesn't say if it is fully grown. He says when it's fully grown. The word for when there, it is, it is literally someone who is assuming that something will happen. They're just unsure of the timing. So Jesus says the, the kingdom is not something that may grow. And the kingdom is not something that should grow. The kingdom is something that will grow. There's no stopping the growth of the kingdom. If you take the seed and you plant it in the soil, the kingdom has to grow. It doesn't have a choice, but it grows slowly. It grows really slowly. In fact, if you were to start one of these mustard seeds from, uh, from an actual seed, and you start it like in a seed tray under a heat lamp, it would be almost three years before it was even big enough to move outside. The kingdom starts really small, and it is guaranteed to grow. That's the good part. That's the good news. Thank you, Jesus. It's guaranteed to grow. Here's... Here's the news that you got to deal with. It takes a long time to grow. In other words, it is a generational plant. It's something that I plant now knowing that I may only see it reach part of its potential. I may only see it reach part of the height that it's supposed to get to. I may see it only bud a little of what it's going to eventually bud. But I have to plant and take care of it now if the generations after me are going to benefit from it. 
It takes commitment to the, to the understanding that this thing isn't going to be done by the time I breathe my last at 75 or 80 or whatever age the Lord lets me live to. It's understanding that it's for more than just me. This is the kingdom. It's not what can I finish before I walk out the doors and into glory. It's what can I get started so that my sons and my sons' sons and my sons' sons' sons can pick it up along the way. It's not what can I see before I shut my eyes. It's what can I get moving in that direction so from a cloud one day I can look down and say they're starting to get there. But if I... If I'm only willing to put in the effort into something that's going to be accomplished before I leave, I won't ever plant the mustard seed. I won't ever plant the mustard seed. It's too much time. It's too much effort. It's too much energy. I've reached a certain point in life and I can't devote myself to that. But the kingdom requires me, requires me to be okay with starting something that another generation will finish. I'm almost done. When it is fully grown, it's larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree. Here's the end of it. So that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. So we know the tree grows massive. It grows 30 feet tall and however many feet wide. And it's got these giant branches that the birds can come and rest in. But the mustard tree is really interesting because not only is it tall, it also has branches that reach low. So... The branches would be, you know, whatever, 30 feet tall. But there would also be branches that reached way down, like two and three feet off the ground. And Jesus says, this is the kingdom. Because there would be, there would be wild animals that would come walking across a field. They wouldn't have anything to eat. There would be different parts of the garden that were gated off. But the mustard tree would have branches that would reach down low enough. That roaming cattle or goats or sheep or whatever, they could actually come and nourish on the leaves of this plant. In other words, the kingdom is not just for those who've figured out how to fly. The kingdom is for those who are wandering along the way and looking for nourishment. The kingdom is not just for those who have figured out the highest of heights in the, in the king and have, have flown in on wings like an eagle. That, that's not just what the kingdom is. The kingdom is for those who feel so low to the ground that they've been forgotten and forsaken and neglected. And sometimes the American gospel is really good in making room for birds and not for those who are just wandering along looking for some nourishment. And cities are not reached when we just create a place where birds can nest. Cities are won when we create a place where the birds can nest, but the roaming, wandering, wild animals can walk through the back door smelling like last night, looking like last night, sounding like last night, but still find nourishment in the king and his kingdom. This is how cities are won. This is how cities are won. By taking a seed and planting it. It's how workplaces are won. By taking a seed and planting it. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the king, kingdom and all his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. How do we seek the kingdom? We look for the king. It's impossible to find the king and miss the kingdom. The kingdom is this weird, mysterious, sometimes abstract concept. The king is... The kingdom is simply the king showing up. It is simply the king showing up. 
And we've been called to be a house and a people who host Him and create an atmosphere for His kingdom so that a city can actually be changed. And maybe it doesn't happen before I go on. Maybe it doesn't happen before I take my last breath. But if I don't see it from here, I'll see it from a cloud. I'll see it from a cloud because we're going to be a people who say we're going to plant the seed even if we don't see it reach full maturity. Stand with me. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.